Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 356 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined as ever by former heavyweight world title challenger, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing this week, my man? I'm doing good, my man. How about you? Always good when speaking with you, Eddie. Okay, so we're going to dive straight into the review part of the show. We're going to start here with this one. It took place um, last Saturday, of course, August the 6th at the SSE Arena, the Odyssey Arena in Belfast, uh, Northern Ireland, uh, UK. Over here, I didn't see much of this card because it you know, clash with the the zone card. So I'm gonna just kind of run through the undercard. Um, Tyrone McKenna, a unanimous decision over ten rounds against Chris Jenkins. Tyrone McKenna now 23 and three with a draw. Uh, Chris Jenkins now 23 and six with three draws. Um, most people, if not all, uh, were were saying that Chris Jenkins deserved to win that. You know deserved to get the decision but he didn't get it unanimous in the end for the home fighter Tyrone McKenna um, I did say that I could see a few underdogs picking up wins last week and this was one of those fights but unfortunately it seems like even though the underdog uh, Chris Jenkins probably deserved it he didn't get the decision so people are calling for a rematch there already um, it was a great fight by the way the little clips I did see it was like fight of the year type stuff I'm, I'm a bit sad that I didn't watch it live and in its full uh, capacity because I I didn't go back and watch it I only saw little clips uh, Paddy Donovan with a win he's now 9-0 and a points win over 8 against Tom Hill who's now 10-3 and Padraig McCrory now 14-0 and a TKO in round 5 for the WBC International Silver Super Middleweight title against Marco Antonio Perabam who's now 26-6 and with a draw and the main event the main attraction Michael Conlon now 17-1 and he bounces back from being stopped by Lee Wood he got in with Miguel Mariaga, the always very tough um, fighter. He's now 30 and 6. A unanimous decision over 10 rounds there for Michael Conlon. He was credited with three knockdowns one in the 7th, one in the 8th, one in the 9th. I think he himself said that most of them really should have just um, been ruled as slips. So honest of Michael Conlon to come out and say, um, yeah, Mariaga, you know, I don't think he was ever going to get stopped. It was quite smart money, really, to back Conlon for the points win. My only question mark was, you know, how was he going to look getting right back in with an even bigger puncher than Lee Wood in, in Miguel Mariaga? But to be honest with you, for the most part of what I saw, it seemed like Mariaga wanted to stand and kind of box. I guess, you know, that wasn't the, the, the things he should have been doing against Conlon. He didn't seem to want to turn it into a brawl. He wasn't in a rush. And then he tried to turn it into a fight late on and he kind of left it a bit too late. But it seemed like he caught Michael Conlon with some big shots late on in the fight. But 
they were saying, why didn't he do this earlier? So Miguel Mariaga decided he wanted to try and outbox Michael Conlon early, and I think it, you know, it cost him in the end. Um, moving out now to this card here, as I say, at the Sheffield Arena. Um, it was live on the zone. Dalton Smith topped the bill. He's now 12-0, a TKO in round six against Sam O'Mason. Um, I think the pair had done many rounds sparring in the past. Sam O'Mason now 17-4 and four with a draw. Uh, it was for the, for the vacant British super lightweight title. So Dalton Smith now the British champion. O'Mason down uh, once in the third round and twice in round six. Um, don't really have much to add to the main event, just that Dalton Smith looked good once again, and he is deserving of the title of um, being, you know, one of the best prospects we have. Um, elsewhere on the card, Sandy Ryan was able to avenge her points loss to Erica Farias, so Sandy Ryan now 4-1, and one, a unanimous decision there over 10 two-minute rounds against Erica Farias, now 27-6. and six. It was for the WBC International Super Lightweight title. Um, happy for her. It was still quite close on two of the cards. 6-4 twice. Um, and then 8-2 on Terry O'Connor's card. But um, yeah, happy for Sandy Ryan. Who I think went away and prepared diligently for the rematch. I think she knew that it was a must-win fight really to get her career back on track. And, you know, I'm happy for her to have avenged that loss there because, yeah, you could see she went away. She didn't, I don't think, um, allow it to get the better of her. I think she had to kind of get a grip on herself a little bit, you know, and, and train harder, go back to the drawing board and um, come back better. And I think she did, and it was smarter work and everything. So, yeah, she boxed at times, and she got she got involved at times, and she, I think, was the rightful winner. Um, elsewhere on the card, Jordan Thompson, now 14-0. and 0, He was able to beat unanimously over 10 Vasil Dukar, who's now 11-6 and 6 with a draw, much better than his record suggests. It was for the IBF European Cruiserweight title. The shocker here was that Jordan Thompson himself was down Jordan Thompson was in full control, but he'd never been past four rounds in almost seven years as a pro. And in that final round, like I say, he was down. He was down heavy. The bell went while he was on his knees, you know, the, to, to end the round, to end the fight. And all he needed to do was get up and he would have won. And he got up at nine. And like I say, he managed to seal the deal unanimously and Thank God for him that it wasn't a 12-rounder. It was only 10 rounds because I think, yeah, he was certainly done right at the end. And um, I don't know if it was just a combination of bad defense and tiredness that put him in that position because he looked quite good early on. But as the fight wore on, like I say, I think he got a bit tired. Hadn't obviously been past four rounds ever, like I said. And, um, yeah, his defense wasn't too great late on as well. And obviously, Dukar's quite a battle-hardened type of fighter, so yeah, he caused him a lot of issues there, and God, yeah, he, he, um, he, he was, he was really at risk of losing that fight in the dying seconds, Jordan Thompson, uh, elsewhere on the card, Hopi Price with a win, he's now 8-0, a points win over 8 against Alexander Mejia, who's now 18-4, Kieran Conway with a win, now 18-2 with a draw, a unanimous no, not a unanimous, a TKO in round five against Gregory Trennell, now 16 and nine with two draws. Um, 
Campbell Hatton now 8-0, and a points win over 6 against Michael Dufek, who's now 34-24 and 24 with 2 draws. Um, Hatton made quite an explosive start to the fight. He hurt his man very early on with a body shot in the first round, and I was worried that he would gas out. You know, and um, try and pour it all out straight away. But to be fair, he did box well. Um, he won every round against, as I said, a much more experienced man. And I felt it was a good learning fight. I think he's improving all the time at, at a decent speed, to be fair. So, yeah, no no real problem from my point of view with that. Uh, Johnny Fisher now 6-0, and a TKO in round two against Michael Rezinger, who's now 3-2. and two. Um, two big overhand rights, one after the other, um, that both landed on the button, put Rezinger down, and he went down hard, but he got back up and beat the count. And for me, Steve Gray, the referee, waved it off just a bit too quickly. I think we knew what was going to happen anyway with, jo- with, with big Johnny Fisher. But, um, yeah, I think they could have allowed... Um, Rezinger, a few, a few more chances, or at least one more chance, man, because he is, he's not, a, he's not a terrible fighter. I think he's tough, you know. So um, I think, yeah, he could have, he could have carried on, but the referee Steve Gray put a put a stop to that. So uh, it is what it is. Bosh, as Johnny Fisher would say. Moving out now to the Commerce Casino in Los Angeles, California. This one over here, friend of the show, Sulem Urbina, now. Uh, 13 and 2 with a draw. Split decision win over six round against Josep Vizcano, who's now 10 and 10 there. Uh, all the best to Sulem Urbina. And moving out now to the final card to mention of the review part of the show. It took place at the Dickies Arena in Fort Worth, Texas, USA. It was live on the Zone. So the Zone had, you know, an early card and a late card on Saturday evening. Uh, on Saturday uh, period, I should say. Um Let's start with the undercard, I think. We're going to start with the undercard. Um, Marlon Esparza with a points win over 10 two-minute rounds against the very teak-tough Eva Guzman, who's now 19-2 and with a draw. That was a defense there of Esparza's WBA and WBC flyweight world titles. Good stuff for Esparza. Uh, Alex Martin with a win. Kind of questionable as well, actually, because... He was down in the first round against Hank Lundy. Alex Martin now 17 and 5, Lundy now 31 and 11 with a draw. Um yeah, it, I felt it was it was close, but I felt that Hank Lundy, you know, possibly won, but in the end he lost quite wide on the cards, like I say despite putting Alex Martin down in the very first round. Um Bektemir Melikuziev now 10 and 1 a TKO in round three against Sladan Janjanin. Again, argument for slightly early on the stoppage there, but you know, I think the writing was on the wall with that one. Janjanin was taking a real hiding, but he certainly came to fight um, and came to give it a good go. He's now 32 and 12. Uh, let's start, I guess, with the co-main. Maurice Hooker now 27 and 3 with three draws. He lost a unanimous decision over 10 rounds against Blair Cobbs, who was coming off that knockout defeat to Alexis Rocha. He's now 16-1 and with a draw. Hooker down once in round one, twice in round two. Um, a real shock for me. A real, real shock. This did upset 
um, a couple bets that I had on. Um, Hooker looked like a completely, completely, sorry, not Hooker, um, Blair Cobbs looked like a completely, completely different man. He had a bit of swagger about him. The afro was nowhere to be seen. He had his hair tied back and he had a rhythm. He had a bit of rhythm about his work. I think I think he's training with a new team, if I'm not mistaken. I think in, in his last fight, I think um, Freddie Roach was, was with him. But this time, he's got a new team. And he dropped Hooker in the first round with a right hook. And then he drops him again, obviously, in the second round with a straight left hand. And then again with another punch in the dying seconds of that second round. Um, Hooker got up and the bell went. He was probably saved by the bell pretty much in that second round. And Hooker's legs just looked like they were being tied down uh, with bricks, uh, he, he seems so heavy-legged, and Hooker was in a world of trouble early on, and to be honest, pretty much every round after that, Hooker just seemed to be following Cobbs around the ring, purposely keeping his distance, he didn't want to get near him, even though he was way behind on the cards. Um, the fight wasn't great in the end, and I think that was pretty much down to Hooker, he fought terribly at times, um, he he, he he boxed like he'd bet on Cobbs to win on points. That was honestly how it looked. And it was one of the worst performances I've ever seen from a former world champion. I really have to go as far as to say that it was such a terrible performance from Maurice Hooker. The crowd were booing. Hooker's timing was off. His accuracy was embarrassing. At one point, Terence Crawford had to get up on the ring apron and shout instructions into his ear between rounds. He was absolutely helpless. And um, I don't even think he could have won the fight if he had a baseball bat um, in, in, in one hand and a glove in the other, you know, because he was that disappointing. Um, I honestly, I, I honestly, I, I don't know if I feel for him or not. He's a friend of the show. Both men were, or both men are. Um, so I always want you to do well. So I didn't really care as such who won the fight. I felt that Blair Cobbs needed the win, I guess, more than Hooker did because Blair Cobbs is still, you know, has uh, aspirations, I guess, of getting to the top. Whereas Maurice Hooker's kind of had his day. Can he do it at a weight above? We yet to see it. It's certainly not looking like it's going to happen now. Um, but yeah, Maurice Hooker was so, 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 so terrible. And um, I'm happy for Blair Cobbs because, like I say, it was a tough task. He was the underdog. And. He boxed really, really, really well. I think he boxed really, really well. I was quite impressed with his gas tank as well, late on as well. Um, but Hooker, yeah, just didn't seem to be at the races. Doesn't even look like the same fighter he once was. Looked very gun-shy, um, you know, very early on. I guess you can kind of understand why to some extent. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was hard to give Hooker any rounds as the fight wore on. Um and yeah, I just I just don't know what to say about the guy. You know, he, he was with Eddie Hearn. He was a world champion fighting on the zone. He was one of Eddie's, I think, first signings when he made that mini invasion to America. And um, Maurice Hooker, obviously, has just found himself in such a dark spot. Obviously, not with... Um, certainly not, not, not with the A-side anymore. And I think... I'm not even sure he was the A-side for this fight against Blair Cobbs. I'm not too sure. I think he may have slightly been the A-side, but if there even was one, it was like a 50-50 kind of fight, really, the way it was billed and built. And, you know, he 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 was coming off that knockout loss to Virgil Ortiz, of course. 
and his his whole career has just kind of gone down the pan a little bit after losing his world title. And this here is like, you know, th this is like the now in his coffin almost. And I think a lot of it had to do with how he performed. I almost feel like no one is is what is excited for his next fight. And I think a lot of people feel like he should just retire based off of that. It was that underwhelming. As for Blair Cobbs, I am excited for the next step. I think there's big fights that can be made. Um, I'm not sure who he should fight next. I think that is a really important move. I think, you know, if he was to suffer a loss next time out, it would he would stop things again, but I think they need to be careful with who they choose for him next time out, but based on what we saw the other night, he seems so much more improved, and I was really impressed, and moving on to the main event, friend of the show, Michael McKinson, now 22-1, and one. he was TKO'd in round 9 by Virgil Ortiz Jr., he has been taken to a place he's never been before, Virgil Ortiz, he'd never been uh, that that he'd never been into round nine, and he still though has that 100% knockout ratio going. 19 and 0, 19 KOs. McKinson down in round eight and round nine. It was for the WBO International Welterweight Title. Um, the first round was a really good opening round for both men. Really, I think McKinson didn't seem phased by the stage he was on. Um, he decided to stand with Ortiz and trade, maybe one or two times too many but he was trading when he wanted to he was commanding Ortiz's respect I felt and there was a head clash as well early on and we saw Ortiz cut on his eye in the first round slightly um, I think it was his right eye uh, second round was a better round for McKinson I thought he may have nicked the round the commentators I didn't feel were giving him much credit because he wasn't so much the aggressor, but I liked his counter-punching, his jabs, he was piercing the guard of Ortiz. Round three was a clear round for Ortiz. I think McKinson did have a small couple moments. He landed a lovely backhand right at the start of the round and also, uh, you know, at times seemed to maybe annoy Ortiz a little bit with some of his work and um, yeah, you know, Ortiz, though, responded by upping the gears, and McKinson lost his mouthpiece momentarily as well, so I, I gave that round to Ortiz. On my card, though, I had it, um, I gave Ortiz the first round, Just I just edged it to him, so I had it 2-1 to Ortiz after 3, but I could certainly see 3-0. to zero. Uh, Round 4 was a dominant round for Ortiz, round 5 was another round for Ortiz, I felt McKinson was kind of letting the fight slip away. Um, it was getting to that territory where he would need to win every round uh, just to get a draw or maybe would even need a knockout or a couple knockdowns and it didn't look like it was going to happen. And we knew that from before the first bell. Um, Ortiz was just a bit too good, a bit too strong, and he had no respect for McKinson's power. Round six, a much better round, though, for McKinson. He was making Ortiz miss a lot. He started to land more shots himself. Um, Ortiz did have his head rocked back a couple times. I had it 4-2 after six. Round seven, a better round again from McKinson. He was growing in confidence, I felt. And they spoke to his dad, who's also his trainer, in between the fight and in between, I think, this round. And the dad said this was the plan. We were going to you know, get through the first half of the fight and then come on strong late on. Um, but yeah, like I say, in the seventh round, he was getting his shots off, McKinson. Um, first rather than waiting too long for openings and being outworked which was happening a little bit early on so I had it 4-3 
and I could see maybe 5-2, but I did have it 4-3 to all tees. Um, round 8, I felt McKinson was having a really good round until he got caught with a body shot late on that, of course, put him down. Um, I don't know if it was a, a broken rib or something. It looked like that initially. He got back up. Uh, and didn't take another shot and obviously got out the round. He danced around for the final few seconds. And then literally the very first punch of the ninth round uh, was a punch that Ortiz landed pretty much on the same spot um, on McKinson. And the punch really didn't look like much at all. But McKinson went down again. He was grimacing. Uh, something didn't look right. And when he kind of got back up to his feet, he was limping on his legs and... Yeah, he got back up, but the towel came in from his father. Um, yeah, McKinson did say before the fight he'd never been hurt ever before. I don't think he'd even been buzzed, let alone down. And we saw a really, really good chin from McKinson. I think McKinson, honestly, based off of that performance, providing he's 100%, I think he gives almost anyone in the world problems, maybe outside of a Crawford or you know some of those top top elite guys but he's a really good contender uh, the only thing that hurts him is he doesn't have the power I think that some of these other guys do have in abundance as well um, I'd like to see McKinson in with Keith Thurman I think that's a great fight for McKinson I'd love to see that fight um, I don't really know how it would go but it's a fight I really like but anyway that brings the review part of the show to a close the final thing for me to do in this part of the show is to welcome our special guest on this week's podcast ladies and gentlemen please welcome the undefeated female super flyweight prospect it is of course miss shannon ryan shannon welcome to the show hi thank you for having me hey, it's my pleasure so shannon first things first how are you and are you enjoying this um, unexpected kind of second heat wave we're having <laughs> Yeah, so um, I'm in training camp at the moment, um, but I love training when it's when it's sunny outside. Um, some people hate it, but no, I just it's just really motivating. So yeah, I'm really enjoying the heat waves. Excellent. Okay, that's an unpopular opinion, but yeah, okay, that's fine. <laughs> um, obviously, you made the decision to turn pro with Two Five Eight Management, Anthony Joshua's boxing management company. Um, for them to sign you right from your debut, I think caught a lot of people's attention because although there aren't a huge number of fighters under Two Five Eight, the fighters they do have are all supremely talented. So automatically, <laughs> without even seeing you fight, people I think kind of thought, okay, this this girl must be special. But tell me, how did that first come about when were you first discovered yeah so um i started boxing in 2018 in august 2018 um i used to kickbox before um but it was a complete different type of kickboxing so it's not the k1 it's the points fighting where you stop and start so like freestyle karate basically um so in 2018 i started at finchley abc and i think then when i was an amateur um i think i just caught the eye and progressed on in 2019 I won the winter women's winter box cup and was going to go on to do the elite but then COVID happened and then we decided to use that time to work on the pro game um, with myself and my coach who is called Coach G um, and then obviously I'm from Watford um, Anthony Gosh is from Watford um, and I think it was just for me um, just standing out in the amateurs training and things and I just think that caught the eye and yeah just an opportunity that I just grabbed with both hands and did you know Anthony on a personal level any time before signing um so personally um I knew obviously knew of him um but my family uh, know him also um just from growing up I have an elder sister um as well 
Um, but yeah. Okay. And of course, you made your pro debut March 26th as part of that React Poor Juma on the card. I remember watching your debut live. I remember you boxing Claudia Ferenzi, uh, one of the toughest girls in the sport, to be totally honest. Um, how do you assess that looking back now, Shannon, that, that pro debut? Yeah, do you know what? I thought it was a, a really good debut, if I'm completely honest, because you have to remember you've got the media week, um, the pressures of obviously people watching you, um, you're in the ring, uh, the lights, you know, the cameras. Um, and I thought I, I had displayed a really good boxing. You know, I wanted her to throw a lot more, um, but she didn't. And I think, I, yeah, I think I've done a, a good job and I'm happy with that debut, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, she's a bit negative. Obviously, she's got a bunch of losses, but barely ever gets stopped. So it all kind yeah. of makes sense. My only yeah, thing, she's really tough. <laughs> you know, she is. She is. My only thing, but it's it's completely understandable. But you was a little bit eager. I thought trying to impress a little bit too much on your debut. I just thought. <laughs> just um, I I wouldn't say impress, um, because I'm not I'm not here to impress anyone but myself, really. Um, but I think. Yeah, the first one was a. If we look at the second one, it was a lot slower. Um, yeah. I'm just naturally quick anyway. I come in lighter on that debut, whereas on the second one, I come in at the weight. Um, naturally, I am a flyweight. We're just starting out at Superfly. Um, but yeah, I don't think it, I, I wouldn't say ego. I think it was just the occasion, excitement, you know, nerves all in one, just trying to display a good performance. Yeah, absolutely. Like I say, your pro debut is is understandable. Uh, you touched on your second fight. You boxed um, Gemma Rug, another tough girl, another four round points win. Um, yeah, tell me about that one. As you say, a little bit slower, I guess, a little bit more um, controlled. And yeah, another fight where you completely haven't lost a round. And yeah, you still haven't lost a round as a pro. Yeah. Um. So that's the second one. I was. I kind of knew what to expect now. You know. Um, so how I felt going into that one was a lot better and calmer than the first. Um, I was still very quick, but that is, again, that's just my fighting style, you know. Um, but yeah, she just moved a lot. So I feel like as the rounds went on, I could have changed up the shots a little bit more. Um, but again, that's all um, the learning. And you go back to the drawing board and you improve every single time. Yeah, for sure. And your next fight, you'll be stepping up to six rounds. Are you excited for those two extra rounds? Yeah, um, you know, two minutes two minutes are just really short. I'm not a fan of that. <laughs> um, but how it is at the women's uh, boxing, I have to, you know, proceed with that. Um, but I hope it changes to three minutes in the future. So, yeah, I'm happy to get those extra two rounds um, because obviously the four twos, that just goes <laughs> super quick. Yeah, that was actually going to be one of my questions, whether you preferred or would prefer three-minute rounds. So you've answered that one there. Um, you'll be boxing um, Bushra El Kwasi. I could have butchered that name, to be honest. Not entirely sure how it's pronounced, but you'll be boxing her on the Shields Marshall undercard at the O2, September 10th. Uh, the one thing we know about Bushra is that she's only been stopped one time. It was to Shannon Courtney. Can Shannon Ryan become the second girl, the second Shannon to stop her? <laughs> You know, I will I will do my best. Um, but obviously the aim is, a lot of people will say they don't go in there looking for it. If it's there, um, you know, I'll jump on it and take the opportunity. Um, but I'm just going to box and just, just display good boxing skills. And what happens on that night will, will happen on, on that night. You know, all I know is I will um, be victorious on that night. And whichever way it goes, whether it's points or, or knockout, um, the win is, is the win at the end of the day. 
And am I right in saying that um, prior to you know signing a pro contract, you worked for the phone network O2, and you were based at the O2 Arena, and now you're sponsored by O2 as a pro, and now you're boxing at the O2 Arena. Am I right in saying that? Um, slightly. So yes, I. You're correct in saying I did work at O2, but it was in the Watford store. Ah. Um, for five years, uh, the phone shop. Um, but yeah, and then I went part time there when I started to, uh, boxing full time, and yeah, now I'm partnered with them, and then I'll be fighting at the O2, which is absolutely incredible. That's mad. That's so cool. Um, how does it feel <laughs> to be a part of this groundbreaking fight card, though, which of course only features women's boxing from top to bottom, and the fact. That it's at the O2 Arena is such a ballsy move, I think, from the promoters. Um, how happy mm. are you to be a part of this show? Yeah, do you know what? I'm very happy. You know, I've got high, uh, high aspirations uh, for myself in this sport. Um, a lot of goals that I want to achieve and to be a part of history um, with amazing, talented fighters on this card is is exceptional. You know, and I just have to continue to, to work hard. Um, and yeah, I'm just blessed and grateful to be a part of it. And are you a fan in particular of any of the ladies that are fighting on the card the same night as you? Yeah, do you know what? Um, Clarissa Shields um, and Savannah Marshall, both of them, they they both display good skills in, in boxing and they're very different from one another. Um, I really like Alicia Baumgardner as well. Um, so yeah, it'll be, it'll be a good night of boxing. Yeah, I'll just tell you something about Clarissa. I've had her on the podcast many times before. Um, there's one particular episode where we sung together. We did a duet during an interview. So <laughs> you're lucky I don't put you through that this time. <laughs> but maybe one time in the future. Um, <laughs> who is your yeah, favourite Who is your favorite female boxer right now, if you have one, Shannon? Mm, my favourite female boxer at this present moment in time, um, Estrada. Cynthia and Estrada um, does the weight below. She's American. Um, I think, do you know, the boxers that just don't display the same skill set, you know, um, Alicia Baumgardner, Estrada, you know, where they're just not kind of one-dimensional. There's something you don't know what's going to happen next, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, Cynthia Estrada. Yeah, it looks like Jennifer Lopez, but he's wild with her punches. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, brilliantly exciting fighter to watch as well. Love seeing her stop girls, which is um, something that doesn't happen always at flyweight, whether it's men's boxing yeah. or women's boxing. Um, yeah, I want to like... ask you, Shannon, um, what do you think of Ebony Bridges? I know that that's potentially a fight for you down the line. I'm sure you've probably thought about it, but the way that she obviously carries herself, it can divide opinion. Obviously, we all know that she went from you know selling socks and wearing thongs to weigh-ins. What's your views on the way she carries herself, being a female in the sport? Yeah, do you know what? Everyone's um, everyone's got goals to achieve in this sport, you know, and and what she's done is she's brought eyes to the sport at the end of the day. Um, and if that's how she's wanting to do it, she's just being herself, you know. I don't know her personally, um, but I don't. I just I think she's a very real person um, from what I'm kind of seeing on social media um, and through her interviews and just the way she talks and presents herself. You know, I think how she is in boxing, I, I think that might be how she is, you know, all the time. Um, she's confident. She she worked hard um, in the gym. Um, She's got, she's got a title belt, 
Um, so yeah, I can't I can't knock her for what she she's doing, and it's brought eyes eyes on the sport, and that's you know that's what we want. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair comment. Obviously, you know, she has a lot of uh, people following her. Some for boxing, I yeah. guess. Some, some not so much for boxing. And that is the one bad thing I think about uh, being a female fighter at the moment. I almost feel sorry for some of you because you're prone to at times receiving like really weird DMs and stuff on social media. We've heard other girls come out and talk about that. Have you been on the receiving end? <laughs> yeah, there's, you know, there's there's been a few. Um, but it's just the world that we live in, unfortunately. Um, some are some are funny. Some are just like, "What are you doing?" Um, but again, it's, it's each to their own. If that's what gets them through their day, then, <laughs> then so be it. <laughs> and I want to ask you this as well, because I've seen you in person. I saw you. I think it was at. Oh, I can't remember who fought now, but it was a card recently at the O2 that you were at. Who topped that bill? Now? Okay. Um, the 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 Sheffield one. No, no, no. Was it the O2? Derek Chisora? Derek Chisora. Yes, or just yes. Boaxi. Yeah, no, it was, I, I was at both, but I think it was the Chisora one. Um, no, okay, no, yeah. it might have been Boaxi. I can't remember now. But anyway, I remember one seeing you there, and I didn't think that you were that short. I think you probably had heels on, but when I saw you were a super fly, I thought, wow, she didn't strike me as being so short. I wanted to ask, how tall are you, Shannon? I'm five foot one. Okay, okay. So the heels were yeah. deceiving. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I, like I said, I'm naturally, naturally a flyweight. Um, yeah. But the plan is just to get these fights under my belt at Superfly, yeah. um, and then move down um, once I've had a few more fights in this division. Ah, okay. So the aim is to get back to flyweight in terms of when you're fighting for titles and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll drop down and then we'll come back up, uh, get the titles there, and then move, move like that, really. Wicked. Okay, perfect. All right then, Shannon. Well, uh, just before we wrap things up, I just wanted to throw it over to you. If you've got any closing words at all uh, that you want to just sign out with before we let you go, and also don't forget to plug your your socials as well. Yeah, um, I just wanted to say so to whoever is listening to this. Um, thank you for all of the support um, and the ongoing kind messages um, that I receive from you all. Um, just looking forward to this boxing journey and this next fight. And if you're not following me on the socials, uh, my Instagram is Shannon Ryan underscore. And then I've also got a YouTube channel, which is just Shannon Ryan. Yeah, I was going to say plug the YouTube as well. I see that there's a couple of uh, behind the scenes stuff for your fights and stuff, which is cool. But listen, Shannon, it's been amazing speaking with you. Thank you for your time. Best of luck September 10th at the O2. And I'm sure to uh, I'm sure I'll catch up with you sometime afterwards. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Appreciate your time. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. We're going to start here with this one. Boxer have signed Jack Catterall to an exclusive promotional agreement. Um, Happy for Jack Catterall, friend of the show. So that's going to be uh, what they're working on. I think they're going to be going for that for that Josh Taylor rematch I believe I think I think there's already even a date for that I'm not too sure but anyway good stuff to see Jack Catterall going to be boxing back on Sky in other news another piece of news associated with Boxer we have uh, Natasha Jonas making her um, her world title defense in her hometown um, in Liverpool so she's going to be uh, fighting in a unification there, 3rd of September against the WBC champion Patricia Bergholt. Um, tickets are on sale now, they start at £40. 
All the best there to Natasha Jonas. In other news, uh, what else do we have in other news? One other piece of news, I think. Um, yeah, the, the undercard has been announced for uh, for Clarissa Shields and Savannah Marshall. Again, that's going to be in London at the O2 Arena on September 10th. Um, we have Caroline Dubois on the undercard. We also have... Um, Lauren Price and Karis Artingstow or Artingstow, I'm not sure how it's said um, and we also have Ebony Jones getting in with Vanessa Caballero we have um, Ginny Fuchs as well, I think the American lady she gets in with Gemma Roog we've got April Hunter getting in with Georgia O'Connor, we have Shannon Ryan who we just spoke to getting on uh, get, getting it on with Butcher L. Kwasi. We also, of course, have, as we already knew, Michaela Mayer and Alicia Baumgartner. It's going to be a fantastic night of boxing. Tickets start at just £25, by the way, and every fight on the card is a female fight, so that is quite unbelievable. And then, yeah, the final piece of news, it's official. We're going to see it Saturday, October the 8th, Eddie, in London at the O2 Arena. Chris Eubank Jr. gets in with Connor Ben. Their, their fathers, of course, had a bit a rivalry and this one uh, is being billed as I think I think they're calling it Born Rivals so we're going to see a catch weight I believe of 156 or 157 pounds obviously Chris Eubank Jr pretty much has always been really like a middleweight I think he moved up to um, super middle and Connor Ben is a 147 fighter so a lot of people are talking about if um, Chris Eubank's going to be dehydrated and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, a lot of people are siding with um, Chris Eubank Jr. to win that fight. And quite brutally, by the way. But anyway, that is it for the news part of the show. Moving on to the preview part. We're going to start here tomorrow at the Findlay uh, Toyota Center in Prescott Valley, Arizona, USA. Over here, topping the bill. We had him on last week's show. Tevin Farmer, 30-5 and with a draw. He gets in with Mickey Bay, 23-3 and with a draw. Both men in similar stages of their careers. Both former world champions. And I think um, the loser is really in no man's land. So it's a must win for both men, really, if they have any aspirations of carrying on. Um, friend of the show as well on the undercard, Tremaine, uh, Tremaine Williams, a.k.a. the Mighty Midget, 19-1, gets in with Jetro Pabuston, who is 31-9 with six draws. That's over 10 rounds there. And also Lorenzo Truck Simpson, 11-0, gets in with Ty Edmonds, who's 14-4. That's over eight rounds there. All the best to Lorenzo Simpson. Uh, moving out now to the final card to mention. It takes place at the Results World Las Vegas in Nevada, USA. It's going to be live on ESPN. I'm assuming it's going to be live in the UK on Sky Sports. Let's talk about the undercard briefly. Just one fight really of note to mention. The Puerto Rican fighter Xander Zayas, 13-0. and 0. I think last time he was supposed to be boxing on, I think it was a big undercard, but he had to pull out, and I think he was in tears. He had to pull out because he was ill or whatever. He gets in with Elias Espadas, who's 22-4. and 4. And the main event, all eyes over to the main event. Tiafimo Lopez makes his... His one uh, one forty debut. He is sixteen and one. He's coming off that loss to George Cambosos. He gets in with Pedro Campa, who's thirty four and one with a draw. Um, yeah, I mean, 
obviously friend of the show, Tiafimo Lopez, love to see him get back to it. We know that he had some serious issues um, health-wise right before that George Cambosos fight. That's what he's come out and said. He said that um, I think his, his issue was so bad that he should have never been anywhere near a boxing ring. I think the doctors were shocked that he was even able to stand up for um, for those 12 rounds against George Cambosos. Um, but yeah, I'm going to throw it to you, Eddie, if you wanted to say anything just before we wrap it up here, because I haven't spoke to you. But obviously, Tevin Farmer against Mickey Bay um, headlining tomorrow night in Arizona. And then Saturday night, Tiafimo Lopez returning to the ring against Pedro Campa. i got to be honest, I haven't seen much of Campa. But it's going to be good to see if Tiafimo can make a splash at 140. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Mickey Bay and <clears throat> Tevin Farmer fight is going to be pretty interesting. Both good boxers, both good pedigrees, um, you know, championship-level guys. <clears throat> Fight's been put off a couple times. Uh, well, I don't know if it was a couple times, but it was supposed to be a couple different places. So it seemed like it was in jeopardy of, excuse me, of happening at all. Nice to see us back on. <clears throat> interesting fight. Both guys are good guys. Both guys are really talented fighters, really talented, talented boxers. It's going to be an interesting. It's a, it's, I think it's a boxing fan friendly kind of fight. You know, what I mean, maybe not necessarily for the for the lay fan, the fan who just wants to see slug, you know, slugging and all that. Which you know, no disrespect to them, but this is like I said, like a like a this 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 fight is going to have some IQ in it. You know, you're going to have to pay attention to the, the little minor details and, and finer things. It's going to be it's going to be a well. Uh, a well put together it's a well put together situation but you know like i said it's going to take some educated eyes to really understand what's going on and to see the value uh in this kind of a fight but interesting all the all you know and all the same um and it's of course i don't i really don't know about the uh much about the his opponent as you don't either joe but um will be interesting to see him back in the ring and he's also he's moving up i think he was obviously having problems a little bit making the 35 so it's kind of interesting that you know we'll, we'll get an opportunity to really see what he's how he's how he's faring at the heavier weight, not having to worry about that extra weight cut. We'll give him some more strength and 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 let him focus a little bit more on just fighting and not having to lose weight or focus on you know any fighter knows it has had to make weight, which is not necessarily my kind of an issue, but I put the pressure on myself just to just to make sure I made a weight you know just just for uh, the purpose of you know discipline, but. When guys have to actually do it, it's really, really tough on them, and I can only imagine how much they have to go through. But, it, but in this case, it's nice to see him, you know, actually being able just to go in and thinking about the fight only, and um, um, you know, being being focused on what you can do, what you can do to get better as a fighter too. And we've seen him at the top of the mountain. <clears throat> He's a talented guy. I'm sure that he can get back to where he was and back to his winning ways. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in this for, this this first fight at 140, but. I'm sure he'll come out on top and look good doing it. Let's hope so. At his best, prior to that uh, Cambosos fight at 135, he was just lighting people up. He was one of the most exciting fighters um, you know, to watch really in world boxing and particularly amongst that young little bunch of names that we all kind of sew together with um, you know, Garcia and Shakur Stevenson. He was certainly probably the one to watch. Him and Javante, I think. Just because they got that equalizer, you know, in in both hands, it would seem. So, um, yeah, I hope we get to see him look the same way he looked prior to the fight with Cambosos. Maybe the weight cut really was depleting him in a way that um, 
you know, was almost shocking to see unfold in that upset of the year when he lost to Cambosa. So hopefully he moves up here this extra five pounds and he looks as good as he used to look. And it would be an exciting addition at that at that weight. Obviously, we've got the likes of Josh Taylor, I guess, the main man there. Um, so, yeah, big fights can be made down the line. But I can't wait to see him back. I think I'm secretly really looking forward to seeing him back in because he does have the charisma as well that a lot of those guys um, don't have. He, he pretty much has it all, to be honest, Teofimo Lopez, providing he can put it all together on Saturday night. Really excited for his ring return. But anyway, that is it for the preview part of the show, and that's it pretty much for everything. The final thing that I have to do is to come in with the outro, which I'm going to do in just a few seconds. Okay, and this wraps up episode 356 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A huge thank you to the fabulous Shannon Ryan for being our guest this week. The biggest thanks of all, though, goes out to you, the listeners. Please remember, if you do have a spare minute or two, please leave us a review on iTunes. They really mean a lot, those reviews. But that's about everything from myself. Enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe, and we shall see you all again next week.